Please pray with me. Lord God, it is true that you are in the depths below and in the highest heights. Lord, meet us in those low places. Meet us in the high places, Lord. Fill our hearts with your words of eternal life. We ask this in your name and for your glory. Amen. You may be seated. So today we're receiving new members into the church, uh, which is such a delight. I, I always feel like, and I should say, you know, I should preface this by, I always feel like this is only the second time we've done this. So, but it's still shocking to me that in this day and age, when the church is just rattled from all sides, that people want to commit themselves to a local body. Um, that people want to invest themselves in, in this community, uh, and not just for the sake of themselves, um, but to open themselves up to the Lord, uh, to be transformed by Him, uh, that we might together uh, pursue Christ uh, and, and, and His, His beauty together and be more, made more like Him. So last week... Uh, if, uh, if you were here, you may have noticed that a bunch of us weren't here, uh, about 40-ish guys uh, were out on a men's retreat. It was a wonderful time, uh, and it truly is a retreat. Like, these things are not intense or crazy, uh, although I hear it was intense and crazy at the ultimate Frisbee event, um, maybe a couple of wounds here and there. Um, but yes, it's, it's just such a great, relaxing time. Please join us next year. Uh, and then also, uh, my friend, uh, Father Scott Cunningham from Christchurch Madison, he preached here last week. Uh, and he preached from a passage, uh, Jacob's Ladder, from uh, uh, earlier on in Genesis. And this was a passage, uh, it wasn't a part of our Sunday lectionary. He asked, he said, hey, this has been just a, a treasure for me and my congregation. Uh, would it be okay if I shared this passage with your congregation? Uh, and I, I listened to the sermon afterwards. Like, it was great. Uh, he talked about Jacob's ladder and how God gives us these moments, these thin places in which heaven and earth meet. And supremely, we see that in Jesus Christ himself. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, that we, the church, are meant to be one of those thin places where people encounter the, the mysteries, the grace, and the power of God. Now, coincidentally, today, in our Sunday lectionary, we have uh, another story from Jacob. Uh, so, way to go. Like, great. <laughs> um, like, I, I, I love it when the Lord surprises us with these sorts of coincidental moments. So, this comes from Genesis 32. And here, again, we encounter Jacob a little bit later on in his life. And here, he's wrestling with God. Um, weird question for you. Have you ever wrestled a baby before? No, no baby wrestlers here today? Okay, there's, there's one hand. Great. Uh, so we, we've got a little boy. Uh, he's 10 months old, uh, soonish. Yeah, there we go. Hey, John, wave. Um, and the, our older girls will bring him into the bedroom sometimes, like early in the morning. And baby John will just kind of like flop and roll over to me, prop himself up, and then just like start flopping back down on me. Or sometimes he'll sit up and he'll just like smack me on the face, you know? Like it's, it's kind of hilarious. And so I'll tickle him, you know, and, and it's, it's a great old time. I've also got older kids, and, and some of you also have older kids, and, and you've, uh, you know what it's like to wrestle them as well. Uh, sometimes... We have to stop because someone gets hurt. Not, not you, particularly. Sometimes I get hurt. But, but that gets a little more intense sometimes, you know. And in both of these situations, you know, kids need to get their wiggles out. 
whether they're a little baby or a little bit older, like they're, they're just kind of pent up. Maybe it's been a long winter or a long day at school or something like that. And they, and they just need to work their angst out. Some of you have adult children and you'll still wrestle them. And, and maybe it's not physical wrestling, although that's fine. Um, but maybe it's sitting down in your living room with them and it's wrestling with them on an emotional level. Maybe they've got beef with you and they want to get that out. They want to work that out with you. Maybe you've been one of the kids in that situation and you've had to kind of go to the mat with mom or dad. And so you wrestle about that. You talk about these, these difficult things with your children. A good parent knows how to appropriately wrestle their kids, regardless of what season of life they're in. A good parent knows how to appropriately wrestle their children. So what does it mean, though, to wrestle with God? Have you ever heard that phrase, everyone you know is, is fighting a, a difficult battle? Uh, I, I think that was ascribed to Plato. But my guess is in light of this theme of wrestling, we could, we could probably rework that phrase a little bit. My guess is that every person here has something in their life that they would want to go to the mat with, with God. They want to take to the mat with them and wrestle God over it. If God was standing in front of you as, as clear as day, my guess is there's something going on in your life right now where you'd say, God, we have, some, we have a discussion to have right now. And maybe it'd be a verbal discussion, or maybe you'd want to actually throw down and, and wrestle God. Maybe it's a, a marriage that didn't turn out the way that, that you had thought that it would. Uh, maybe it was a, a, a business or, or some sort of endeavor that you've invested uh, your entire adult career in, and it just fizzled out, didn't turn out the way that you hoped it would. Maybe a loved one was taken away from you prematurely, and you've got this looming, heavy question that's been on your heart, and you want to talk about that with God. God, we have something that we need to work out. Well, I hope that in this passage, the Holy Scriptures can speak to us and prepare us for what it's like to wrestle with God. What does it look like to wrestle God? What are the outcomes of that? What can we expect to get out of a a wrestling match with the Creator Almighty? Well, I would like to move us through this passage in three separate scenes. So first of all, who is Jacob? Well, Jacob, his name uh, means the, the, one, the one who clings to the heel. He, it's, like, it's like a word for like cheater. Uh, when you call someone a Jacob, that's not usually a compliment. Well, sometimes we can, we can name our kids Jacob. Like, you know, there's, there's redemptive qualities to him. But this guy, he's a trickster. He's kind of like the Loki of the Old Testament. Like always trying to like pull one over on someone or, or swindle someone or trick someone so that he can get ahead uh, with his purposes, with his life. And this even starts in the womb. Like even in the womb, Jacob's mom is like, what is going on inside of me? She's got these twins inside of her and they're just like wrestling in the womb or something. Like it's crazy. And even in his birth, Jacob, when he, uh, Esau is born first... But then clinging to the heel of Esau is his brother Jacob, trying to get ahead, trying to, to get above and, and beyond uh, Esau. And then later in life, we could, you know, if we had time, we'd dive into these stories a bit more. Jacob tricks Esau by taking away both of his, his birthright and then also that patriarchal blessing from his father. This enrages Esau. Esau wants to kill his brother Jacob. And in the, in the wake of this, Esau cries out. He says, is he not rightly named Jacob? He is the cheater. So Jacob flees from his brother. 
And he goes and he, he sojourns with this guy called Laban. And again, we don't have time to go into all these stories, but Laban and Jacob then start tricking one another. They start trying to get kind of a, a one-up over the other. And it's, it's kind of funny to read these things. Um, they try to out-trick each other for years. But eventually, in the end, Jacob gets ahead. Uh, Jacob out-tricks Laban. But now this means two people are mad at Jacob. Esau and now Laban. And that brings us to today's passage. So here we encounter Jacob, and he's stuck. He's got Laban behind him, who's madder than a a smacked hornet's nest. And then he's got Esau in front of him, who's coming at him with an entire army. And Jacob knows, uh, because of conversations with the Lord that he's had, Jacob knows that it's time for him to go home. But he's stuck now in this moment. And all of his, his trickery, all of his cheating, all of his brilliant sort of backbiting and betrayal has finally caught up with him. And he's stuck now between a rock and a hard place. So in this moment, in his desperation, Jacob cries out to God. He says, and you could, you could read the words if you want. I'm going to paraphrase it. But in verse 9, we, we see Jacob's prayer. O God of my fathers, you told me to return to my home. I'm not worthy of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Please, Lord, deliver me from Esau. I am so afraid. So he knows that his own self-reliance, his, his own brilliance, his own trickery, his own conniving or whatever, isn't going to get him out of this situation. And so the first scene is that we encounter a desperate Jacob. So then what happens next? Well, then God appears in this moment. And they wrestle. They wrestle not just physically, but I would say this is also a spiritual wrestling that's taking place. There's a spiritual wrestling here because God has something just like a good parent does. God has something that he wants to wrestle out of his child, Jacob. It's as if God is saying here in this moment, when are you going to stop? When are you going to stop with this incessant grasping, this dishonesty, this disrespecting of others, this betrayal? When are you going to stop with the trickery and the clinging and the clutching to get ahead in this life? And God is saying to him, I have a blessing for you. Real blessing. I'm inviting you to participate in my rescue plan of all of humanity. Stop fighting. Stop struggling against this and rest in my purposes that I have for you. This actually isn't the only instance in the scriptures where we see God wrestling with someone. In fact, Jesus himself throughout the Gospels wrestles with people. Do you remember the conversation that he has with the woman at the well? And he says to her at one point, go and find your husband. And that cuts her to the core. Or the conversation that he had with the Syrophoenician woman, who's trying to get a blessing from Jesus. And he says, don't you know that I came first uh, for the Jews? Or maybe the resurrected Christ in his encounter with with Peter on, on that shore that day after the resurrection, in which three times Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Or when Jesus stops Saul on the road to Damascus and and knocks him off of his horse, strikes him blind, and says, Saul, when are you going to stop all of this? These are spiritual wrestling matches. In each one of these situations, there's something deep and hidden within the individual that God is trying to dislodge, that God is trying to dislocate and bring up into the surface, up into the light, 
And sometimes this is, this is a gentle conversation. God is always appropriate in his wrestling. Sometimes it's gentle and sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a quiet conversation. But sometimes it hurts. Falling off of a horse hurts. But in each of these situations, what God is saying to the person is, is this really what you want your life to look like? Is this really the identity that you want to define you? Look at the fruit that's coming out of this. I have a better way for you. So at one point, God pulls something that only he can do. He, he pulls a God move in this wrestling match. Did you catch that? And he, he touches Jacob's hip and it like instantly dislodges itself. Like, wouldn't it be cool if every parent could do that? <laughs> I'm glad we got a couple laughs out. The kids were like, no, that's not funny. <laughs> so he touches Jacob's hip and throws it out of socket. And this is when Jacob knows that he is outmatched, that he is at his limit. And so he does the one thing that he's been doing literally since birth. And he clings again. He clings. He clutches again. But this time it's different. He's not clinging to his brother. He's not trying to out-trick Laban or another person. What he's doing here is he's clinging to God himself. He knows that he's encountered something that he's never encountered ever before. And he clings to God. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And I can't help but think in that moment, God stands up, looks down at Jacob, and smiles. He says, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Do you hear the desperation that's in Jacob? Do you hear the sort of giving up that's in Jacob? And God is saying, yes. This is what I'm looking for. So that's the first or the second scene. So the third scene here, we see God giving Jacob three things. First, he gives him a new name. God said, what God says, what is your name? And like this confession of guilt, he says, I am Jacob. My name is Jacob. It's as if he's saying, I am the cheater. I am the one who clings. I'm the betrayer the one who tries to get ahead And God responds, this is not going to define you anymore. You are no longer Jacob, but now you shall be called Israel. You have struggled with God and and you have prevailed. You have victory now. You can let go of all of this conniving that's been a part of your past. But also, he now has a limp, doesn't he? From this point on, pain and weakness will be a part of every step that he takes. He's going to have this physical reminder for the rest of his life that he has been face-to-face with God, and yet he lived. Is that worth it? Do you think walking with that kind of limp is worth it? To know that you've fought with God and prevailed. But thirdly, the text says that he receives a blessing as well. Now, the story is a little ambiguous here when it says that, when it says that God bless Jacob. Is that a summary statement? Is it summarizing what God had already done by giving him a a new name and a limp? Well, that could be one way. I think it's something different, though. I I think this blessing is an assurance of victory for Jacob. He's, He's given confidence in this moment. The blessing is that through his wrestling, he now stands at peace with God himself. You see, if Jacob has wrestled God and lived then surely he will be delivered from the anger of his brother Esau. 
Jacob can now stand in front of Esau's presence without any fear. You see, all of this time, Jacob thought that it was Esau who was his enemy. But really, it was his own heart that made him a coward. God has forgiven his deception. God has has given him a new name. And so now he can stand before Esau without any fear. I think that's the blessing. So what about us in this situation? How does this teach us to wrestle with God? And also, let me, let me say, some of you are, are pretty young, and some of you might not even know, like, what, what does this mean to wrestle with God? And that's one of the things I love about this church, is we are a generationally diverse church. Um, I, I hope it's okay for me to say this, but if there's folks with gray hairs around here, my guess is they've wrestled with God quite a bit over their lives. You know, join a table, guys, saw a hand pop up. <laughs> so learn from your elders, because they're going to have stories They're going to be able to equip you through this. Um, I I don't want to say I've seen it all or anything like this, but I've gone through moments, and I'm in one right now, where I'm asking God some pretty big questions. You know, why did he allow this to happen? Why has he put me in this sort of situation? And so I say these things not as just abstract theoreticals, but I share these things because I think they're biblical, and I think they're faithful to the people of God, and I hope that they equip you for when it's your turn to wrestle God. So what does it look like to wrestle with God? Well, first, get alone. Get alone with God. Do you see how Jacob, he's, he's in kind of this borderland. He's, he's standing by a river. So in the ancient world, those, would have been, those cues of the space that he was in would have been cueing to him that this is a mysterious place. This is a place that doesn't have territory. It's kind of like a wilderness experience. So take intentional time in your calendar to get away with God. Joyce Baldwin, a a scholar, she says this, When everything is at stake, a night of prayer is no burden, but rather a lifeline. Uh, There's this place that I like to go. It's called the Wilderness Fellowship. It's like 45 minutes out of the city. You can write this down, Wilderness Fellowship. And they have these prayer cabins there. And so you go, and it it can be free. It's it's donation-based, so if you're strapped for cash, they'll still take you, they'll love you, it'll be great. And so you go to this, and they have these prayer cabins kind of overlook the woods. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place to get away from all the buzz and the distraction of the cities and put yourself in the presence of God. So secondly, pray honestly. Do you hear Jacob's prayer? Go back later this week or this afternoon and read that prayer again. It is a desperate prayer that Jacob brings before the Lord. So for you, maybe that's journaling out your prayer. Maybe it's praying out loud spontaneously. Maybe it's it's writing a poem or a song that sort of expresses where you're at. But take the time to articulate clearly and honestly your questions that you have for God. And then if you don't know what to pray, if finding the words is difficult for you, we have this rich inheritance that our spiritual mothers and fathers have left to us. Uh, you can take a look at this again. You've got them in your prayer book, or in your pew backs up there. Um, but on page 643, towards the end, it's just a list of prayers to pray when you don't know what words to pray. Or you want to align yourself with someone else who's been there before. There's prayers in here for, for times of social conflict or social justice. Or, or, t- or there's prayers in here for the un- uh, unemployed. 
for those who we love, for those who are absent, for those who live alone, for those with chronic disease, for those who are in trouble, for those who are discouraged, for prisoners, for those who are sick, for those who are struggling with mental suffering, those who are in bondage to addiction, those who are unrepentant, for inner renewal, for guidance, uh, to desire God more, for mercy, for more trustfulness in times of worry or anxiety. And, And that's just a few of them. Like There's dozens of these things in here. Like, we have such a rich inheritance. These are, these are prayers that have sustained our spiritual mothers and fathers before us. So avail yourself of those kinds of resources. So pray honestly. Pray desperately. Third, expect wrestling. And this is going to look different for everyone. I don't know if it's going to be an actual wrestling match with, with somebody but maybe God is God. Maybe he could do that. But maybe Jesus will visit you in a dream. Maybe the Holy Spirit in your Bible reading will just emblazon upon your imagination a Bible verse that you just you can't get out of your mind. It jolts your soul. Or maybe you'll feel the hand of the Father gently reaching down and wiping a tear from your face. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. And maybe it's something that happens quickly. Maybe it's something that spans for years. After the first service, someone came up to me and says, I've got something that I've been wrestling God about for decades. But expect to wrestle. So lastly, don't let go. Don't let go. He is faithful from generation to generation. The prophet Hosea He says this to to his friends and to his loved ones, to his fellow Jews who are about to go into exile. And he says this, So you, by the help of your God, hold fast to love and to justice and wait continually for your God. He will show up. He will show up. So one final word and then we'll conclude. So some of you, uh, you, you hear a sermon like this and you're like, I have something. Like, I want to wrestle God, like, right now. Like, if this rug was a wrestling mat, you'd be like, let's do this. Some of you are like, I'm done. I've been wrestling a long, long time, and I am done. And I think that's okay. Because all of us have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the new Israel he is the one who has gone before us. He, he is the perfect and the just Israel. And he is the one who has striven with God and prevailed. Jacob is just a shadow of what Jesus Christ has already accomplished for us. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus wrestled with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that just like Jacob, Jesus was alone in the Garden. Just like Jacob, he prayed out in desperation Just like Jacob, he wrestled all night long. And just like Jacob, he clung to God. He said, not my will be done, but yours. And then, upon the cross, he was wounded for all of our sins. But when the breaking of morning comes, when the sun comes up, Jesus stood there with both a wound and with a blessing. He has these scars that remind us that he suffered and yet prevailed. And he has a blessing and an assurance of victory that all sin will be contended with. That that is within us and that which has been done to us, all of that has been dealt with upon the cross. And there will be a day in which it will haunt us no more. 
Jesus Christ assures us of these things. So brothers and sisters, whether you're ready to hit the mat yourself, or whether you're exhausted, Christ has gone before you. He is within you. And he will sustain you through this. So let us pray together. O Father in heaven, you are the God who deals with us personally. You know what we need, Lord. You know what needs to be taken out of us. You know uh, where we need to be healed. So God, I ask that when we, when, where we are in error, purify us. Where we have been broken by others, Lord, heal us. Where we are fearful, comfort us. Teach us, Lord, above all things to hold on to you. May we receive the peace and the victory that has been won by your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in his name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.